0: Wake up, football fans. It's a Sunday morning encore, live from the UK. Take your seat. Only on NFL Network. It's game. Yeah. Some of the brightest stars in the game are ready to light up London. Let's go! Giants. He throws it left and makes the catch. Packers. Rogers going deep. Touchdown! Wake up early and watch with the world. It's Sunday morning football. Sunday at 9 30 a.m. Eastern, only on NFL Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up!
2: Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me tonight... My partner in crime, as always, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him. He is Zach Calberman. Zach, as we expected it to uh, shake out the fate accompli move of Mark Barron getting signed, that officially was consummated today. The Broncos signed him to a one-year deal, and as of the publishing of this live stream, I haven't quite received any word yet on what the details of his contract are, but I know we've already talked quite a bit about Mark Barron, but your gut reaction in a positive way, how could this guy maybe help the Broncos? <laughs> positive. Let me get the negative out of the way. I'll never
3: be so happy to see Todd Davis again, Chad, <laughs> when he comes back fully healthy. In a positive way, I mean, I guess in a backup role or a situational role, in a dimebacker role, the old Will Parks role. Mark Barron can be impactful for this defense. He can come and run support. He can come in the box, come play near the line of scrimmage, play linebacker, play safety. He can be a movable chess piece in Vic Fangio's defense, but again, we've heard this before. It was supposed to be Sua Cravens. That didn't work out. Will Parks never really reached his star potential like we all thought he would in the Vic Fangio defense. As long as Mark Barron does not start next to A.J. Johnson, this isn't a terrible move. I would have preferred someone like Nigel Bradham, a traditional inside linebacker, but for what he brings to the table, as long as he's in a backup or reserve situational
2: role, it, it it should be an asset similar to Melvin Gordon, Chad. Well said, my friend. I mean, <clears throat> here's my, <clears throat> excuse me, still getting over the last vestiges of this cold. I'm almost behind at 100%. I feel back to myself, but nevertheless, sorry for the frogs in the throat. But with regard to Mark Barron, here's kind of the optimistic lens that I think people should try and view it as is that, you know, his initial – his first three, four, five years in the league, both as a buck and a ram, he was solid. He was good in coverage. He was a safety. Then he became that dimebacker Then he became officially that linebacker. And over the last few handfuls of years, his coverage acumen has slipped. What I'm hopeful of is that under the coaching eye and acumen of Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, Reggie Herring, the linebacker's coach, that he can maybe – even if it's not rediscovering what he had as a coverage guy back in the day when he first entered the league in 2012, but maybe learning how to do it and being kind of uh, not so much shielded, but the way that Vic Fangio's coverage schemes work, it takes some of the pressure off of linebackers, keeps plays in front of them. They're not necessarily lining up mano a mano with a guy, turning their back and running after him and following him. So I'm hoping in that sense that, that can kind of mitigate some of what he might lack in terms of coverage. But as a box linebacker, the dude is an above average, I think box linebacker, find ball, see ball, you know, get right. it. And I think he'll be just fine in that regard. Yeah. You know, like if he can come, you know, record some
3: pass breakups, if he can help bracket a tight end or running back and pass coverage, if the Broncos you know, uh, past defense could be the sum of their parts, the linebackers included. Yes. They should be okay with Mark Barron. But again, as long if he's isolated one-on-one, if he starts week one, Chad, Derrick Henry will run him over consistently, down in and down out. He's not a three-down inside linebacker. He's a piece of this defense. He's preferably a backup. If he stays in that role, I don't hate to sign him. He should help out this defense, and who better uh, to help mold a former first-round bust The ninth on the Broncos roster now, Chap. Nine former first-round picks on the Broncos roster, and who better to mold that guy than Vic Fangio?
2: We still have a lot to get to tonight, obviously. We also want to talk about the waiver claim that the Broncos made today. We'll get to that. We want to share our takeaways and observations from the Broncos' stadium scrimmage on Saturday. We're going to get to all that really quick. I just want to give a shout-out to those of you joining us in the stream. A few of you really early, like, Big Earn in the house. He's, he's typically, without fail, the first comment in the stream, no matter what. Big Earn, it's good to see you, buddy. Dennis, Toy Mafia is with us. The Queen of MHH is in the house. And we have a couple of really early, before we even went live, super chats from the community. And, of course, everyone knows Mark Langley. Much love to you, my friend. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the support, as always. Hope everything's okay in your neck of the woods and he's saying, <clears throat> What's up, my guys? This is for Chris. Of course, Chris Hernandez joined us on our superstar segment Wednesday night. This is for Chris. What a great dude. Cheers. Yes. And thank you for your service. Love that. Appreciate it as well, Mark. And then also, we got one early from Jake Girard jumping in. And he wants to know thank Are you, we in Jake. trouble in the first few weeks with our offense, or is our defense that good going into year two? Jake. We're going to get to that. I promise you. And the fact, the reason I'm grabbing your super chat now is I want to give you some love, tell you, thank you. So the chat stream doesn't jump you, but I promise you, we are going to come back in the next segment. We're going to talk exactly about what you want to hear uh, in just a few minutes. Really quick. Let me just make sure. Okay. I think we're good enough. Oh, there it just did the jump on me, Johnny baby. So, all right, let me scroll back up to the top and do some quick matters of business. And uh, we'll dive into the rest of tonight's show. Gang mile high huddle. And the Huddle Up podcast continue to grow at an exponential rate. We want to say, hey, welcome. Thank you to all of our new followers and subscribers. And uh, we want to make sure you know how to connect with us on social media, especially on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. I think the Twitter account, Zach, it's four or five, last time I looked, followers away from crossing the 2K barrier on Twitter. It's not easy getting Twitter followers for whatever reason. Facebook, quite easy to build a following. I shouldn't say easy, but. Facebook, you can build a following a lot faster. Uh, YouTube, you know, I guess it did take us five years to get this thing really going to where it is today. Uh, but Twitter, it takes a little bit of time. So if you are on Twitter, make sure you're following the podcast at Pod because that's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And while you're at it, follow the mother account at Mile High Huddle. That's uh, going to ensure you don't miss any breaking Broncos news and analysis. And then gang, gentle reminder check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com, and get your swag on. If you're in a position, get yourself one of these Mile High Huddle trucker hats. Zach's got on the Football Priest t-shirt. He's got on the Huddle Up podcast uh, flat bill hat, as you can see there. We also just debuted a new polo that has the mile, this very Mile High Huddle logo that you see on the trucker hat on a polo. So go check that out if you get some time. It's another way to support what we're doing here at Mile High Huddle. And if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store, it's all good. We're just happy to have you here with us, but whether you're listening live or with us live or after the fact is an on-demand podcast, each one of you can do all three of these things. And we really appreciate it if you would make sure you're subscribed like this video or like this podcast. And if you really love what Zach and I are doing, the highest form of flattery, share it out there, help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans, just like you. And then Zach, one last thing, shout out to our Facebook supporters, much love to you guys. Appreciate what you're doing to back up MHH on Facebook. This is a new, um, I guess, offering on for, for Mile High Huddle. It was only very recently that Facebook made this an option for us. And so shout out to Pobby and Steve, Jerry, Michael, Emmy, Gerald, Chris, Roger, Jeff, Amber, Chris. While we can still say everyone's name in one sentence, we want to. And thank you for supporting us on Facebook. And if that's something, if you're one of our great Facebook uh, community members, I'll put the link here in the chat stream. And if you want to become a member, we certainly appreciate it.
4: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit.
5: You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you and we're here for you and all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions plus board certified safety consultants here to answer your questions call click granger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done
2: All right Zach before we dive into the scrimmage the Denver Broncos announced <clears> on <throat> in the same press release in which they announced the Mark Barron acquisition that they had claimed a offensive, an offensive tackle uh, off waivers. Let me read this to you here, really quick. Um, the Denver Broncos claimed tackle Darren Paulo off waivers from New Orleans. It was announced. And Paulo is an offensive tackle at six foot five, 315 pounds, a rookie offensive lineman from the University of Utah. So, as we know, the Broncos like the big fellas who have some experience playing at altitude. Uh, who competed in training camp with the Saints after signing with the club as a college free agent? So he went undrafted. I honestly thought he was going to be a draft, uh, or that he was going to be drafted. Zach, I thought he was going to go somewhere sixth, seventh round. He ended up slipping completely out. He appeared in 53 games as a Ute and uh, earned Pac-12 first-team honors in his final season with the Utes. So the Broncos are churning that roster a little bit, Zach, and it'll be interesting to see how this kid fits in. I mean, uh, the good
3: thing is the Broncos always get lucky, Chad, with Utah tackles.
2: So, I mean, the, the streak
3: <laughs> lives with this guy. Uh, you know, at this point, the more depth the tackle right now, the better we've been crying for all offseason. It's not a guy who's going to start week one or take over for bowls right away, but he can play some left tackle. Utah has a great uh, offensive uh, coaching system for the offensive line. I think he can be a nice project for Mike Munchak throw them out there with Jake Rogers, Calvin Anderson. I mean, you can never have enough linemen. The Broncos, I think, learned that the hard way chat. We saw two linemen being signed now over the last month, DeMar Dotson and Paulo.
2: Okay. Amen. Real quick. I'm going to come back to this. John, do you have, uh, do you have Mike's super by chance? Thank you real quick. I want to grab this from Mike Evans. Appreciate you. My love as always, my friend, and it's good to see you. And thank you for being in the stream. He says national media predicting a seven and nine record for the Broncos. Based on your observations of the team, do you feel they are off base? Appreciate y'all. Are they? <laughs> are they way off base? Maybe not way off base. I don't know, Zach. You can you can debate me on this. But as you've heard us say, in fact, Sports Illustrated needed me to write the 2020 uh, preview for the Denver Broncos, and so I had to make my. We've been teasing you that we're going to give you our official prediction, record prediction for the Broncos on the doorstep of the season um, that we want you to hold us to basically for the year. And I had to, as part of their format that they wanted, I had to go ahead and make that uh, a little bit early. So if you guys read that at milehighhuddle.com, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's no secret that Zach and I, we see double-digit wins. Me, probably one more than Zach, but nevertheless, seven and nine I don't, this ain't no Jeff Fisher team this time around. (laughs) I think it's completely off base. They went
3: seven to nine last year, Chad. They had Joe Flacco starting eight games. They had Vic Fangio in year one. They had Drew Locke only come in for five games as a rookie coming off an injury. 7-9 7-9 and nine and the national media predicting this is why let them hate exist. I wish I can get my t-shirt right now just to flaunt it. This is why we have that in the store. This is why we say that all the time. Let these people hate on Denver. Let the national media, who is so out of tune with Broncos football, so out of tune with the offense and the defense they're building, the coaching staff they have in the building right now, let them keep hating on Denver because they see all of this, they read all of it, they take it all in, and they use it as motivation. The Broncos love to be disrespected. And nothing is more disrespectful to me, Chad, than predicting the same record as last year when the Broncos are night and day different. Anyone with a functioning brainstem can look at this roster and this coaching staff and see they're a better team, a better overall unit. And Vic Fangio in his second year now. So seven and nine, it's not even the baseline. It's below the baseline. It's not going to happen. It's nine wins. Flip that nine and seven is the baseline. That's what the informed fan or the informed analyst or the informed prognosticator would predict not seven and nine. That is
2: completely off base. Love it, dude. I love it. I mean, just think back, ignore just for a moment, all the improvements and upgrades the Broncos have made personnel wise and, and as well on the coaching side with Shermer and Shula set that to the side for a second and pretend none of it happened. Last year, the Broncos won seven games, and it took Drew Locke coming in a rookie to get more than half of those wins on the board. Well, it could have been, believe it or not, it could have been 10 or 11 wins, even with that imperfect squad we saw last year because week two against the Bears came down to the final possession. Broncos, you can argue, got hosed. All right, We lamented that at the time. The refs kind of screwed the Broncos. Fast forward two more weeks, Jacksonville Jaguars came down to the final possession. Broncos, once again, Kind of got hosed by the officials. Fast forward to, Zach, I want to say week seven against the Colts. On the road, came down to the final possession. Broncos let one slip out of their fingers. There might be one more I'm missing uh, off the top of my head, but nevertheless, that's how close that extremely imperfect team as coached by a first-year head coach was from playoffs. So considering the improvements they have made now, let's interject that back into the equation – Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, who will eventually make an impact. Albert O, you got Lloyd Cushenberry has locked down the number one center job now, basically. Um, McTelvin Ajim has looked really good in camp. Michael Ojemute have been banged up quite a bit. We'll see. But just on the draft side, huge impact guys right. coming in. Plus you got Jarrell Casey. Plus you got AJ Bouye. Plus you got Nick Vanette to help block. So these are the improvements the Broncos have made. So Zach, I'm with you. Nine and seven is the floor. Nine and seven is the floor. And if we're wrong, we're wrong. We'll eat our words. We'll, you know, we'll give us some sriracha. We'll eat that crow. But yes, Mike, national media are off base a little bit.
3: I mean, plus, you know, Graham Glasgow. I mean, they've added so many new pieces to this team, and they're all, and DeMar Dotson as well, picking up an eight-year starter late in August. I mean, this Broncos roster is night and day different completely than what they had last year. And even so, with Joe Flacco again starting eight games, and you have Brandon Allen starting, they had three different starting quarterbacks. And despite being hosed, Chad, despite that Minnesota game, where they blew a 20 nothing, There's your fourth fourth one. First half lead, I mean, you're right. They could have been a double-digit win team, and that's amazing to think about. Now you put a better quarterback, you put all the pieces they have right now, a much better defense, getting Gerald Casey, A.J. Boye, Simmons coming back. They stay healthy. They'll hit seven wins in the first 10 games, Chat 10, 11 games. So, again, let the national media keep hating. They're going to be shocked what this Broncos team does in 2020, and I
2: can't wait to see them backtrack on all these claims. All right, real quick, got to answer this question to one of the superstars in our community, big-time member of the MHH family. David Kilgore wants to know, do you guys know if the first game is going to be on TV? Well, yes, it is, my friend. It is the ESPN. last game of week one. It is the doubleheader final game of Monday Night Football. So it's going to be broadcast uh, on ESPN and ABC. So stay tuned for that. All right, Zach, one last Super Chat, and then we'll dive into – the crux of today's show. We'll get to all the super chats, of course. That's what we do. But before we dive into the main content, George Vandermark is just an amazing guy. He's a guy that keeps in touch with me and as a friend and a connection on Facebook. And he let me know that he's planning on being in the chat tonight if he could, but he and his daughter had a a daddy-daughter date, if you will. And he didn't know if he'd be able to make it, but he would try. And here he is. And uh, George, we love you and appreciate you, my friend. Your generosity means a lot to us. He says, uh, can't join live as we are at the Cheesecake Factory for dinner. Great day at the ocean today. That's right. He took her to the beach. Just showing my support, and we'll watch when I get home. Zach, this this level of support, it just yes. it makes our day. Keeps us coming back and grinding for you guys.
3: It's amazing. And, George, I love your taste because I love Cheesecake Factory. I don't have one around here, but I, I love their cheesecake. I love their menu and their drinks, and uh, it's a good place to take
2: uh, – a on a little date, little family date like that. So thank you for your support, George, as always. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, brother. All right, we'll get to your questions and super chats. This I promise. Uh, But really quick, let's go through. I shouldn't say really quick. We can kind of let our hair down on this because fans are dying to know what some of the rumblings coming out of the scrimmage game yesterday at the stadium really mean. And so as we've watched it, we watched the entire scrimmage, Okay, and here's what jumped out to us. And I'm, I'm just going to utilize this article that I published earlier today as kind of the jumping-off point for our discussion. Seven takeaways that jumped out to me. And, Zach, I want to kind of volley this off of you and get your take on these exact same points. Yeah. But the first thing that jumped out to me watching is, as even though a lot of fans and a lot of in media, the first thing was offense. Whoa, it wasn't perfect. Jeez, what's going on? What jumped out to me was, goodness gracious, this defense is already in regular season form. And they dominated. I mean, it was no two ways about it. It was abject, utter, total domination, uh, especially when that first-team defense was out on the field. And fans get a little concerned. They're like, well, geez, man, you'd think the offense could get their licks in here and there. I mean, this isn't Trevor Simeon part two, is it? No, it's not, all right? But you got to remember the nature of training camp, the scrimmage included, it favors the defense. By this point, you know, what are they, four weeks into camp almost – Vic Fangio's defense, they've been seeing that Shermer offense daily, all the formations, all the call signs, all the protections, all the route concepts, all the personnel groupings, everything. And so, you know, they could probably defend the Broncos offense right now in their sleep. Meanwhile, you got an upstart Zach offense, which we'll get to next, that's still learning, installing, and assimilating a new offense from Pat Shermer that even though it is more player-friendly, significantly more than the previous offense under Rich Scangarello, it's still a new playbook. But keeping it to this first point, Zach, this defense looks like it is absolutely teeming with menace. I think they're going to be very uh, opportunistic. And this is the year I think, you know, you always hear about how Fangio's schemes take that jump in year two. If Saturday was any indication, it sounds like that's what's on deck this year. You know,
3: I I saw the offensive performance, and I saw the reaction, and uh, and the immediate, you know, the gut. First thoughts uh, and the first instinct as to react to the Broncos offense. And you're looking at it the wrong way. Most of Broncos fans are. It's not that the Broncos offense was bad. I mean, they they were, they were had their mistakes during a young offense, but this defense is really freaking good. This is a top five, if not top three, or maybe even best defense in the NFL in 2020. They are that talented. It's Fangio's bread and butter. You get Von Miller back, who had a great practice yesterday. You have Bradley Chubb, who's, you know, his knee is still... Uh, you know, on ice, figuratively and literally, you have a good secondary now. I mean, this offense is still getting going. You have so many new moving parts, whereas on defense, the new personnel they added, Chad, they were veterans for the most part. They don't really have any rookies starting. Compare that to offense now. You have a new right tackle. You have a new center. You have two new wide receivers. You have a first-time, full-time starting quarterback, and that's a lot to manage in one practice against a really, really good defense. I'm actually expecting the Broncos offense to have this. I'm actually happy the Broncos offense had these interceptions and Locke had these miscues. It will make them better. I am not expecting anything less right now than Denver's defense to dominate. That's how it's going to be in the NFL this year. Denver will be the defensive team with an offense in the top 12, top 14 range that will do enough for a wild card spot. It's just how it's going to be.
4: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Did you know that Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance provides valuable whole life insurance protection to help cover your final expenses? It's true, and it can help with expenses such as medical bills, burial costs, and unpaid debts. It helps protect your family from the financial burden of your final expenses. If you're between 50 and 80 years old or 50 to 75 in New York, your coverage is guaranteed with this policy regardless of your health history. There are no medical exams to complete or lengthy health questionnaires to fill out simply text insure to three zero five 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 and premiums don't increase over time. The amount you pay when coverage begins is the same amount you'll pay throughout the duration of your policy. Just answer four easy questions to get your free personalized quote instantly by texting I N S U R E to three zero five five five. See website for terms and restrictions.
2: I agree with you, man. And We'll see how much of an impact Ojemudia makes. I think initially the Broncos really did plan on him factoring into the number three corner position, but you can't make the club from the tub, so to speak. He's going to make the club, but you can't contend for a true starting position, especially on a defense this lit um, when you're chilling on the sideline with trainers. And so he's got to, he's got to get his legs back under him. It looks like that's going to be Devontae Bosby for now, but Zach, that brings up point number two, all right, which is what fans really were wringing their hands over last night. Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos, first team offense, let's face it, they struggled. Anyone who was able to watch the 9 News broadcast, we watched the scrimmage, you could see they just had an off day. It was a bad day at the office. A lot of turnovers. Drew Locke threw multiple picks. But, Zach, also, Drew Lock had multiple receivers and tight ends drop passes, yeah. multiple Yep. So that's what I mean by bad day at the office. You just kind of charge it to the game, live to fight another day. If this were a real game, um, it's the type of thing where you would expect to see, yeah, Broncos get behind early because of these mistakes, but they come charging back in the second half type of scenario. But nevertheless, Locke and company, you know, they just, they were going against an unstoppable, or I guess I should say an immovable object. And they are not quite yet an unstoppable force. So they're going to have, you know, in, in a situation like this, they were bested. Okay. However, this is very different than the Trevor Simeon days and the Paxton Lynch days where it was the defense winning every single practice of training camp. In fact, there was only one practice that I can remember during that entire era, Zach. And it was a practice away from Denver. It was when the Broncos traveled to Santa Clara, California to do a all week scrimmage practice with the San Francisco 49ers and Paxson Lynch, it was the game he was going to start in the preseason. He came out, got all the first team reps. On one of those days, he literally, it was like not one ball touched the ground. He had a perfect day. Then it all came crashing down around his ears, of course. But now I digress. This isn't that, okay? The Drew Locke and company have gotten their licks in, and they have won their days in, in training camp uh, more than once, multiple times. It just so happens, Zach, that in this stadium game Irk scrimmage, for whatever reason, all right, we can we can talk about what those reasons might be. They just had an off day. The question is, how much do you read into that? Uh, fans shouldn't be wringing their hands over this. Fans should be
3: happy about this. I, I mean, better for Locke and the offense to get these flaws and interceptions and turnovers out of the way now, as opposed to a couple weeks from now against the Titans. Let them work through it. They can they can watch the film. They can. Uh, Identify where they have to be better. I'm not pressing the panic button, Chad. It was one practice against a really, again, a really, really good Denver defense. Guys, this is a top five unit at worst in the NFL if everyone stays healthy. That's tough for any offense, especially for a young offense that had no practice time this entire offseason. This is what's going to happen to Locke as well. Fans are expecting him to be, you know, a 30 touchdown, five interception kind of guy. It's not going to happen. He's going to take chances. He's going to have some drop issues. His receivers are all new. They're still forming chemistry. He's going to throw some picks. He's also going to come back and and wow you with touchdown passes. It's the good and the bad. You live by the sword, you die by the sword, and Drew Locke's sword is his right arm, and he's only going to get better from here on out. And going against this Denver defense every single day is going to make him better. Iron sharpens iron, as Darian says in the comments, and I agree with that completely. Look for a a more complete and and, and well-oiled machine in week one because the Broncos now have two weeks to make adjustments from what they saw yesterday.
2: And just keep in mind the Tennessee Titans, they have not been going up against Pat Shermer's offense day after day, snap after snap for the last six weeks or a month or whatever. So you got to keep that in perspective. It's all part of the puzzle. And yesterday's scrimmage is as exciting as it was because it was the closest thing that fans and media are going to get to an actual preseason game this time around. It's, it's like seeing the picture on the wall. All right. Imagine a beautiful painting in your, in your mind, but, almost the entire thing is covered with, you know, uh, a blanket. And there's only one little corner that you can see that is actually showing you what's painted. And you're trying to make out what the rest of the picture is or might be based on what that one corner is showing you. Yesterday, it was just one corner. And a lot more of the pieces of that picture have been shown to us throughout training camp. And the truth is, the Titans haven't seen any of those images. They haven't seen the picture. They haven't seen this. Right. I mean, they can go off of the five games lot played last year. They can go off of Shermer's past uh, offenses in New York and Cleveland and Minnesota and his different stops, but they are walking into a buzzsaw in so many words because the talent is undeniable on this defense or uh, offense. Uh, real quick, Zach, Mr. Boggins jumping in, great friend of the show, great member Thank of you. our community. And yes. um, we definitely got to get you on the show here sometime in September, Boggins. So let's let's get that ironed out. This week, of course, we're having on – Glenn Hauser on Wednesday night. We look forward to talking with Glenn for our, I believe, 12th <clears throat> uh, superstar segment. So stay tuned for that. But Mr. Boggan says, and again, thank you for the super chat, my friend. He says, I'm glad Locke is throwing picks. That's yep. how you learn. Remember when it was a story that Keenum hadn't thrown a pick for almost all of training camp? Zach, that is a good point. And also think back to the storylines coming out of Kansas city in 2018, after they had traded Alex Smith away, and we're going to go ahead and move forward with the first-round pick, one year removed, who had one start under his belt. All the buzz was, goodness gracious, this Mahomes kid, you can tell he's talented, but he's an interception machine. And, you know, Chiefs fans were wringing their hands over it. We got rid of Smith. We were in the playoff four years in a row. What are we doing? And the rest is history. But, Zach, as you get to, you know, we want to address what Boggs is saying here, but I want to serve one thing to you uh, before you actually handle that. And that's what Drew Locke said. This speaks to what Boggins was saying. Here's something Locke said directly following practice. Quote, I've always been the guy who's able to learn more from mistakes rather than being all daisies, all roses out there. It's big to struggle early, I feel like. I got told this when I was in college. I would rather – someone was telling me this. They'd rather me struggle early and be great later on. I'd rather us struggle now, obviously – then be great when the season comes along, close quote, which is kind of speaks to what Boggins is saying here, Zach, in that get those interceptions out now, let him test the boundaries, let him test the limits, and so he knows what he can get away with when the regular season comes.
3: Yeah, Locke got some really good advice there, and it's pretty much what I, you know, parroted that it's better to get these mistakes out of the way now because they will learn from it in time for week one. This is not week four and Locke is throwing two picks and the offense can't move the ball. This was a scrimmage against a really good defense. And to your previous point, Chad, when they go up against the Titans, that defense is not as good as Denver. So the offense, if they're... If they can re- bounce back and be resilient against this Denver defense at any time, by series or by day, they can do it against any defense in the NFL. And it reminds me to Boggins' point, when these NFL teams start out a season, let's say, like 7-0 or 8-0 and they start fading at the end, I want the team that starts out you know, maybe like 4-4 four and four and gets hot as the season goes on. I don't want them to you know, figuratively blow their own, a whole load in the, in the early part of the year. I want them to save it for the latter part. Look at the, the 2007 Giants. They were out of the playoffs picture until week 17. They go on to win the championship, beating an undefeated team. So let them get these mistakes out of the way now. Let Locke throw these picks now because later on, when it becomes week 16, when it's November and December, when the weather's changing, he will be a better quarterback because of what he went
2: through in August. I am not worried about Drew Locke. Zach is not worried about Drew Locke. Let me tell you what I am worried about, though. Right here. Dom on Facebook. What's up, fellas? You guys think Bradley Chubb is hurt bad? Or do you guys think he's just tweaking something bad? Hope he can play the first game now. Hashtag like it up. Hashtag mile high magic. Thank you for the question, Dom, and for being with us tonight, my friend. For those of you who missed it, and if you missed it, what have you been doing? you got to be following mileheadhuddle.com on the daily and all of our stories and uploads and our tweets and our shares on YouTube. Hopefully you haven't missed this. But in case you did, maybe you have a life outside of football unlike us. But if you missed it, Bradley Chubb, I was watching about three snaps into the scrimmage, leaves. that he comes off under his own power, like he took himself out of the game. And you're like, what's going on? It goes straight for the bleachers, sits down, trainers, boom, doesn't return, leaves, goes back into the locker room for a minute, comes back, and he's his left knee, which is the one that was just surgically repaired in uh, October, iced up, Zach. After the game, Fangio said, you know, it just was a precaution. He was out there, felt like something wasn't right, so we were just being precautious, and the trainers, you know, iced him up, examined him, iced him up. After the game – or the scrimmage, I should say. I keep saying game. After the scrimmage, Troy Rank of Denver 7 caught up with Chubb. Chubb told him that it's all good. He's fine. It was just a precaution because it didn't quite feel right. But, Zach, I'd be lying to our great community here if I didn't say it worries me just because it's kind of late in the game, late in the summer, to be having any kind of setback. We knew he was going to probably be on a pitch count to start the first quarter of the season. This only – solidifies that as a, as basically just write it in Sharpie. He's going to be on a pitch count, but now I have that sliver of concern yep. that there is something else at play here with that knee. Maybe it didn't heal up and recover the way they wanted it to.
3: I'm not panicking on Bradley Chubb, but I'm definitely, as you said, I'm worrying a little bit because he's been through two left knee ACL tears in his his life. And, and that's you know coming back as a professional athlete when his first major practice, he has to ice his knee and come out of the game. First of all, what was he doing out there? It was raining. It wasn't good field conditions. Why would you have him go full bore if he's still obviously coming off that knee and it's kind of tender still? That speaks to me again of Vic Fangio and the Broncos training staff not putting the players in the best position to stay healthy. I'm not worried. This was what we expected with no off-season, Chad, limited practices, the acclimation period. He's going to be sore. It's going to swell up. It's very common for post-surgical patients for ACLs to experience swelling, But now I think, like you said, it's a foregone conclusion. We're not going to see 100% of defensive snaps from Bradley Chubb. We're going to see maybe in the 80 range, maybe as a situational pass rusher. It's a good thing they have some young outside linebackers on the roster just in case Bradley Chubb does miss some time or he has to come out of the game. I'm not overly concerned, but I'm definitely monitoring his knee going forward now, Chad. It might be time for the Broncos to break out the kid gloves.
4: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: paid for by America first legal.
2: Absolutely. I mean, they just have to be, they just have to be smart. And I don't blame them on one hand for playing him yesterday because, you know, they have been careful with him in training camp, but for the most part, he's been a full participant. You know, Fangio gave him a day off. They've taken it easy here and there, but like when the chips have been down and it's time to practice team period, he's in there. He's in on 11 on 11. He's doing his thing. So, I understand how they felt like, so far, so good. Let's get him out in the scrimmage. But nevertheless, I digress. It's something to monitor. So far, the team and the player himself is saying, it's all good, chill out, but it's something to keep in mind. Meanwhile, Zach, $44 million right guard, Graham Mm -hmm. Glasgow, similar to Chubb. In fact, I think it was one snap in the scrimmage. In, he exits. Austin Schlotman replaces him at right guard. We find out after the game. Uh, from from John Elway that he has an ankle sprain and it, they're not worried about it. If this were a real game, act, I think worst-case scenario, he tweaks it, goes off the field, tape gets it up, it taped, gets get it iced, yeah. shot and he's right back out there. But still, when you start dealing with ankles, you don't know if it's high ankle yet, we don't know that. Uh, it's something too similar to Chubb but maybe less less concerning or less serious. It's something to monitor moving forward.
3: Uh, just another lower body injury for another Broncos player. I'm not going to hammer Land out too much, but these things happen. I'm not worried about Glasgow. Uh, like Chad just said, if this was a regular season game, he'd be in the starting lineup. He wouldn't come out. It's not broken. It's just a sprain. It's, it's Nixon and bruises and bumps. It happens in football. And again, you know, similar to the bad play on offense, get the injuries and these little minor maladies out of the way now, hopefully so the regular season, the Broncos stay mostly healthy. I'm not worried about
2: Glasgow at all. It also was a scary moment when Malik Reed got through on the right on the left side of the Broncos offensive line just as Locke uncorks one, steps on his foot, and you see Locke not just oh, ah, react, oh you know, sharp pain, but then he limps literally, limps off the field and then drops to his knees and is putting his hands on his head like this on his helmet, and you're, you're going, what the heck is going on? Thankfully it doesn't appear to have been anything other than maybe a little bruise or scrape on his knee or on his foot. Uh, But that was something that was a little concerning, but no injury, no injury. So don't worry about it. But anyone who was paying attention there had their heart in their throat for a second. Uh, Zach, we got Jason Metz, one of our superstars jumping in with. uh, Thank you, Jason. Super appreciate you, my friend. He says, Hey, Chad and Zach, do you think that the NFL and cities will come to an agreement to let fans limited in some way into the stadiums? Hashtag, Broncos country. Zach, this is literally, this isn't going to be NFL negotiating, you know, with individual states. This is a state by state decision. NFL teams are subject to whatever the governors and local municipalities are willing to allow. And in the case of the Broncos, we know week one for sure. No fans. We know week two in Pittsburgh for sure. No fans. There is a slim hope. However, the Broncos are holding out hope. That week three, when Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, Gronk, when they come to town, that they could have limited fans. But, Zach, the idea of it becoming some kind of mandate where, you know, the NFL gets approval from all the different 32 cities or, you know, whatever might actually add up to be 29 cities. It's probably not realistic.
3: One thing that I've noticed is for the teams that are have already that haven't already ruled out fans for the entire year, it seems like most teams are taking a wait and see approach. They're not going to have fans for the first two games, and then maybe, hopefully, the virus could be mitigated. Hopefully, we can be in a different situation by you know October. I think the NFL, NFL teams, and for the reasons Chad just said, it's not up to Goodell or the owners. It's up to the governors and it's up to the government right now for who attends what and where and all that going on. I'm do. i optimistic Chad and I think you and I take a more optimistic view of CV in general but I do think at some point this season a limited number of fans will be allowed into Empower Field and to see a Broncos game. Maybe not for the first month of the year but I think the NFL as a whole is optimistic and you know what? They've handled this with uh, great, great foresight they've done a great job mitigating CV Chad and keeping the numbers low and if that can continue,
2: we'll see fans at some point this season. Amen. Hey, we got the wizzy in the hizzy, Mundungus himself jumping in with a very generous super. Thank thank you, my friend. I was just uh, singing your praises earlier today in the Mile High Huddle staff meeting. So showing them that book you sent me, which is a treasure. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, interesting question. Why not live stream the home games, sell each seat for half the cost, but sell it twice. Mount the screens where seats go. Cheaper for people that normally can't afford but still sold out home games. Interesting idea, Zach. I don't know how practically applicable it would ultimately be, but what I like in in that what Mundungus is thinking here is we don't know when, if there's going to be a a vaccine. We don't know how long this is really going to be an issue that plagues all live events, whether it's concerts, games, whatever. And so it's going to force a lot of different, whether it's promoters that do concerts, stadiums, leagues, clubs, whatever to get creative. If this is something that persists beyond 2020, but, and this is the type of thing where they might have to consider like different things. I personally would not pay that money if I were a season ticket holder and I was offered a, a camera view from my seat of the field. You know, I just watch it on TV and save the money, but it's still an idea that is, I'm sure, you know, the, the NFL is coming up with a lot of different potential contingencies to keep revenue up and keep fans happy.
3: You know, it's an interesting idea for sure. It's kind of out of the box, but what the people have to know about the NFL, they're not a very progressive league like the NBA and the MLB. They're very traditional. They're very old guard. So I feel like Adele and the owners would want either fans as usual, meaning in the stands, buying merchandise, buying food, buying concessions, adding to the revenue versus placating them with different screens or different live streaming options. They don't make any money off that, Chad. And the NFL is all about making money. It's why they're taking taking a wait-and-see approach, and not just ruling out fans or playing in a bubble like basketball right now. Good idea in theory, but in practicality, knowing the NFL and how they operate, it's not going to happen.
2: Our friend Troy, you all know him. You love him. is Eclipse Stormborn jumping in with a super chat. Appreciate that, my friend. Thank you. And his message is <clears throat> a series of hashtags that go like this. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag let them hate. Hashtag MHHUN, which Troy himself coined. And hashtag Oceans6. I'm not sure what the ocean 6 is. Uh, John, hit me up and let me know. Oh, I think I'm, never mind. It's uh, their new podcast. It's the new um, uh, Mundungus and company. They're doing the uh, Mile High Roundtable podcast coming out in September. Well, we're definitely going to support you guys on that when the time comes and whatnot. But Troy, thank you, my friend. Much love to you. Zach, we got a few more supers stacked up, but I want to get through some of these other takeaways. We got to talk about what happened yesterday, and we're going to get to everybody. Uh, As you know, that's what we do. Number three takeaway for me, Zach, was Denver, we've got a problem at right tackle. And this wasn't anything that was unknown to us going into Saturday, but anyone who watched that practice, Von Miller lived in Drew Locke's right hip. Like he was just there every single dropback. Wilkinson, look, they keep saying Vic Fangio that it's his job to lose anytime DeMar Dotson's name gets brought up. If Saturday's performance was not making it clear to Mike Munchak that you know we need to make a change. I don't know what what will before the season, that is. Like if that wasn't enough. During training camp, while training camp is still going, while you still have time to make a lasting change, get him in there, get him chemistry with the guys. If that wasn't enough to say, look, this guy is, you know, we're flirting with disaster if we keep Wilkinson out there at right tackle. Zach, I don't know what will, but – and the good news is, DeMar Dotson has been moving up the depth chart. He's no longer exclusive to the threes. He's on the second team, and last week, uh, Wednesday – excuse me, uh, Tuesday's practice, he did receive some reps – with the first team at right tackle with Drew Locke. So (sighs) Wilkinson, Zach, it's more of the same. We know what to expect from him. He's a lunch pail guy. He's a great depth tackle to have in a pinch. But if you have to rely on him as your starter going into a game against NFL-level edge rushers with that quick twitch explosion, ability to bend and turn the corner, you are dead men walking.
3: Uh, maybe when Drew Locke is limping off the field and he's actually seriously hurt, Fangio will take this seriously. Chad, Wilkinson is not a tackle. He's a guard. He's a guard masquerading a tackle right now. He's not a true guy who deserves to be starting there or even the, the primary reserve behind the starter. Give that to Dotson. You worked in Cushenberry. He's a rookie. Why not work in a guy with over 100 career starts who looks and fits the part? I don't understand it. What more does it have to take? If they're waiting for Wilkinson to lose the job, it's going to be quarter one week. One against the Titans, and all you're gonna do is hurt the Broncos offense until you get Dotson on the field. I really like everything the Broncos have done this offseason for the most part. I like the way Fangio has approached year two, but the platooning at right tackle and the handling of Wilkinson and the utmost confidence they've expressed in him. For what reason? What has he done to garner that respect or that loyalty or the to be grandfathered into the starting role? What has he done? He lit up sack after sack after sack last year. He's a natural guard. He's a swing guy. You have a, a tackle who you just signed. Why not play him? It baffles me. It's the same thing they did a couple of years ago at left guard with Max Garcia and Alan Barber. They kept rotating them. It never works out. You need chemistry and continuity. Start building it with the guy you just signed. I don't understand.
2: I know, man. It's it's really mystifying, and <clears throat> I think it might have something to do with the fact that the Broncos are on the hook for a guaranteed, you know, 3.2 million or whatever it is, the RFA tender for Wilkinson three and change. And they want to get their money's worth. Meanwhile, the contract Dotson signed only has 400K fully guaranteed, and it's worth up to $3 million if he hits all the escalators. So, you know, from a dollars and cents perspective, they want the guy they have to pay that money no matter what to win if possible. If not, you know, they'll fall back to their other option. <clears throat> but it's something that has to be addressed sooner than later. Um, quit waiting to make that decision, you know. It's like my teenage kids, their, their whole philosophy is why do today what you can always do tomorrow. You need to reverse that philosophy in this case. Um, Mundungus, the wizard, jumping back in, really appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. It says, uh, pump in fake sound and real sound. You know, that's another interesting point that we can jump to real quick. Um, let me jump number five and go straight to number six here, which is the stadium effect. Empty stadium effect, I should say. We'll get back to number five. Don't worry. But empty stadium effect. So one of the the utility of this the stadium scrimmage this time around was for the t- the entire roster to kind of get a feel for what it's like to play not only in an empty stadium with no fans, because normally these stadium scrimmage, uh, scrimmages have fans in the stands. They sell tickets. They let people in. It's fun. This time around, no fans, and the fake – artificial crowd noise that is going to be pumped in. They dealt with that yesterday and it wasn't perfect, but here's the thing, Zach. I think having artificial crowd noise is better than no crowd noise, but it's different because you cannot replicate the natural organic ebbs and flows of crowd engagement, right? You know, like when the pick happens instantly and AJ Bouye starts running the other way with the ball, the energy you Hear that rush of people jump into their feet yep. and you hear that, I mean, there's certain things that you just can't duplicate with. I mean, I guess you could come up with. A-
0: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration's pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. They want boys in our daughter's bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
2: A bunch of different triggers and stuff for the sound guy to be ready at the drop of a hat. But nevertheless, I don't see that how that could really work and be a viable solution It's going to be really interesting. And Fangio said following the practice act that they might start practicing at UC Health Training Center with the fake crowd noise just to start getting the the team a little bit more used to it.
3: Yeah, first of all, Chris was right in the comment he made that uh, the incomplete sound, that sound effect, that can be played at a moment's notice so the Broncos can retain that. And that's exclusive to them. That's a big part of Broncos' uh, home games. In terms of fake crowd noise being pumped in, it's not ideal. I don't love it. I I almost prefer stadiums just be quiet and you just hear coaching and players talking and whistles and this and that. But every NFL team is on this level playing. It's not just the Broncos losing their crowd noise. For the most part, it's every NFL team who don't have fans in the stands right now. And you know what? The Broncos still have a natural advantage even without a crowd in the mile-high altitude. So as long as that remains, they still have a competitive home field advantage as, as sucky as
2: it is with no crowd noise, Chad, for now. We got the Wizzy jumping back in. Appreciate you, wow. Mike. Thank with, you. With uh, his reminder of his official prediction. Well, you know, give or take a win. He's got 11 and 5, 12 and 4. The Wizard has spoken, and it could very well be that, my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, buying what you're selling there. We got Terry. North of the 49th parallel, proving, as always, that Mile High Huddle is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. And, in fact, it might have been Terry <clears throat> who initially inspired that little catchphrase. <clears throat> and, of course, the uh, hashtag itself. Appreciate your support, as always, my friend. Thank you. And it means a lot. State of being. Hashtag let them hate. Hashtag you win. Hashtag Ocean6. Much love to you, my friend. All right. We got a few more supers coming in including one here from David. Very generous. Thank you, David. Wow, David. Thank you a lot to us. You're up there on the MHH Mount Rushmore. Yes. And as we tell you every podcast, your YouTube profile pick, one of our favorites, loving it. Uh, he says, hey, guys, great to see you and hope you're all staying safe. Wanted to ask that when we make the playoffs, like can that. we realistically get past the Ravens or the Chiefs? So if the Broncos make the playoffs, Zach <laughs> – Are they going to be able to, if they have to face the Ravens or the chiefs, is that a battle they can win? Any given Sunday.
3: I mean, a couple of years ago with case Keenum, they were one errant pass to DT away from beating the chiefs. I mean, uh, the Broncos have held their own in the Patrick Mahomes era. They just haven't had the offense to match in terms of Baltimore, I'm not 100% sold on Lamar Jackson. I might be in the minority there. I just I, I, He needs another season like last year to solidify himself to me for it to be this unstoppable force like Mahomes and the Chiefs are. If they play the Ravens, they can beat them. If they play the Chiefs, it's going to be hard at Arrowhead more than likely, but they can beat them any given Sunday. If the Broncos play to their potential on offense and defense, if all uh, the gears are hit, all the stars are lined, they can take out any team in the NFL, Kansas City included.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. We'll have a, I mean, we'll know this year how close, how much closer to the Chiefs, or if they did, you know, get shoulder to shoulder, neck and neck with them when the Broncos face them at home this year. I honestly don't expect Denver with this young offense to go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. I'm just not going to expect that. But I really do expect the Broncos to come away with a win this time at home against the Chiefs because I think finally they have an offense. They can keep up. And a defense that's going to be a little bit more likely to keep that explosive Chiefs offense in check. Zach, we got to grab Dennis Woods as well jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Dennis. So consistent and uh, much love to you, dog. He says, my gut tells me we'll have a great defense. They will carry us until the offense starts gelling. When the offense gels, watch out. His prediction, 10 and 6 yep. or 11 and 5. And Zach, pretty much everything Dennis said there, he's sharing a brain with Peyton Manning, who said almost the exact same thing uh, a week ago Friday when he said, look, there's going to be growing pains. There will be inconsistencies with the offense, but there's a lot of talent there. They're going to get theirs. That's why this defense is going to have to you know, carry some of their so – maybe some of their water, the offense's water at times early on.
3: Yeah, it's going to be like years past where the defense kind of takes the lead, at least in the early part of the season, and kind of uh, is the strength of the team. But the difference is, compared to years past, the offense is better. And when they find their footing, when they start firing on all cylinders, this offense can be a top- Ha, you know, half of the NFL unit. They could be a top 12 unit if they played a potential. So, when the offense gets going paired with the top five defense, that's why you think it, Chad. That's why I think it. They can They can be and will be a playoff team, a double digit wildcard team this year if the offense just comes along, I think, as the Broncos expect it to.
2: Jess, jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend, with the super to say exactly this my team point is better than the past three year teams, the, ba- the team yep. of the past three years, let's go. Well said. And then of course, also Terry jumping back <laughs> in to, to point out, thank you for the super Terry 19 and zero until proven otherwise as per Duke is Duke in the stream tonight. I haven't seen him, but if he is, what's up? If you're listening after the fact, what's up Duke? Um, Chris Hernandez jumping in with the super great. Uh, as we talked about last week, it was great getting a chance to meet Chris and catch up and, And uh, get to know him and his background and whatnot. 24-year veteran of the Armed Forces, the Air Force, right? Air Force. Air Force? Am I misremembering that? Yeah. Anyway. Great guy. Much love to you, Chris. Good to see you, my dog. And we appreciate you. All right, Zach, we got to get to this fifth point that a lot of fans were reaching out to me. What's going on with the drops? Now, look, there were a few receivers who dropped some passes, but it was mostly tight ends. And especially Albert O and – Nick Vanette had a really bad drop, too. But Albert O was dropping passes, man, dropping passes left and right. You know, the way I sum this up in the article is that similar to the thing we talked about the topic at the top of the show about sometimes you just have an off day, bad day at the office. In their case, the tight ends might have just had a bad day. It's not like these guys lack reps, whether it's individual period, the jugs machine, team period. These guys are catching pass after pass after pass after pass. It's a matter of focus. And sometimes you never know what can upset your, I don't know, your, your mojo, if you will. And for whatever reason, those tight ends had a problem yesterday. And so Wade Harmon, the position coach, is going to have to really hammer on that and help these guys kind of snap out of whatever that malaise was that led to the drops tomorrow or yesterday and come back to the table tomorrow with, you know, refocused, recentered.
3: Wait, Chad, you mean the blocking specialist, quote-unquote, Nick (laughs) Vanette dropped a pass? There's a shocker right there. Uh, This is what – you know, I hate to say the rest of the Broncos tight ends not named Noah fan are worthless, but – you know, Alberto is a big project. A lot of fans are thinking it's going to be Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez in year one. It's not going to be the case. This is not an offense that flows through the tight end. It flows through the running backs and the receivers, and the tight end is kind of an afterthought. Do so they have a good one to know a fan? They have some young guys behind them, but you saw the drops, the the young mistakes they're making, the the mental technique issues. It's going to happen as time goes on. Alberto is very much a project. He's very appealing. He's tantalizing. He has the speed, the size, the connection with Locke but you have to catch the ball. That's job number one. That's priority number one. If you can't catch the ball, you're not going to play. So don't expect these tight ends, Broncos country, to be this instant impact to the Denver offense. It's going to flow through Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, and uh, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon.
2: Mundungus jumping back in. Jeez, thank you for your, your thank generosity, Mike. Appreciate you, bro. He says Wilkinson was the problem. So here you have a guy sharing a brain with us. The sooner they can get to The sooner they can interject him into the offensive line and that starting five chemistry, similar to the mindset they have with Lloyd Cushenberry, they, they bit the bullet on that and said, look, we've seen enough. Let's get him in there. Let's get him started working with Locke. Let's get him used to playing next to Glasgow and, and Reisner. The sooner they can do that with, with Dotson, the better.
3: Yeah, I, I just, I don't understand. Wilkinson will always be the problem because, again, he's not a natural tackle. He's, it's like putting Billy Turner out there at tackle, the former Broncos guard who landed a huge contract with the Packers. Hasn't live up to it because he's not a starting caliber player, and the Broncos made him one. He got paid because of that. Wilkinson is not a starting caliber guy. Good depth piece, good reserve, good guy to have as a backup, but that's all he is and all he will ever be. And the longer he's on the field, we talk about bowls being a detriment, Chad, but on the other side as well, Wilkinson is just as much as a problem. In fact, Bowles has been looking better than Wilkinson. And when Bowles is looking better than you, it's time to reevaluate what you're doing on the field. And for the Broncos to not see that is unreal to me.
2: Zeus! Big Peek, Jumping in from the top rope. Showing that generosity he is known for. Thank you, my friend. And we share that sentiment. Football is about here, he says. And then, of course, hi all. Shout out to everybody. You're, uh, you're settled in Texas, and um, you and I, we need to get together still, dude. I need to talk to you. So I know I've said that a few times now, but let me know what your schedule's like because I do need to pick your brain about a few things. Appreciate you, Stu. Um, quick question here from Danny. Can you define practice versus scrimmage? <sighs> You know, loosely, it's basically the same thing, to be honest with you. A scrimmage, though, is they set up specific. So it's unit against unit, first team against first team, in terms of offense versus defense. They have specific um, game situations that they set up. So they'll start them at the 20, like a normal drive after a touchback, and then see how that goes. Then they'll move them to, you know, a 50-yard line. They'll try some red zone. They'll try different down and distance scenarios and they'll practice them with all three, but it's still practice, Zach. And in the case of the Broncos, you know, one of the things that they really wanted to test out here was also how their substitutions are going to work. We talked about the stadium and the crowd noise thing, and just the feeling of being in the stadium for them brought a little extra juice and oomph. Now, obviously, it didn't translate well for the offense, but you could tell for the defense, there was a little bit of a spark, a little bit of a lift, just from being in the stadium. So... Honestly, in terms of a a practice versus a scrimmage, traditionally, like my kids, for example, my son, who is playing football this year again, you know, his team had a scrimmage and it was a, basically it was a loosely officiated game that the coaches would be on the field in the huddles with them. So it was a little bit looser rules and strictures. And, you know, if a coach didn't like the way that play went, even if it was fourth down and you're off the field now, it's no, can we run that again? Yeah, no problem. So it's just loose. It's it's practice, and usually it's against an outside team. But in this case, it's um, you know inter squad.
3: Yeah, it's exactly what it is. When it's offense versus defense, and especially when they make the trek to the stadium or they make it a big deal, that becomes a scrimmage. Otherwise, it's just a normal practice. And we're talking about practice, Chad. That's what we're talking about. It, it all comes down to that. It doesn't count. It's an exhibition. It's it was pretty much. a a preseason game to end all preseason exhibition affairs yesterday. Chad, it meant nothing in terms of, uh, you know, box scores or stats It just was for evaluation and to make the players better
2: on both sides. Our friend Dale across the Pacific jumping in with an extremely, extremely generous, super chat. Unbelievable. He has been very generous this way. Uh, Basically he, anytime he's in the chat, he's this generous. That's just who he is. And, And, Dale, we love you and appreciate you, my friend, and we really mean that. He says, Titans, perfect game one, and I can't wait. Can we stop Derrick Henry without eight men in the box? If not, can we man up? Can the offense spread the ball around and be balanced, scoring on a really good defense? Can the defense turn the ball over? I am so looking forward to this test. Hashtag state of being. And, again, Dale, thank you so much, my friend. That really means a lot to us. Amazing. But, you know, these are the existential questions, if you will, for week one. You know, we, we don't have the answers quite yet. And until we see this team out on the grass against outside competition, we're not going to have some of these answers. And so, like you, right. these are, are questions that we are asking ourselves as well. And we're talking about at MHH. We're talking about here at the podcast. And, Zach, we can't wait to see how it shakes out.
3: I'm not going to pretend like I'm privy to the Broncos' week one game plan, but I, I would be surprised if the if the plan is to not just load up the box and stop Derrick Henry and make Ryan Tannehill beat you. And if he beats you, you don't deserve to win that game. He's not a good quarterback, and the Broncos' pass rush should make his life miserable. So we don't know, like you said, Chad, whether the Broncos will have a more active defense in terms of forcing turnovers. We think they will. By virtue of pressure, production, sacks, interceptions, we think there'll be an active defense. But in terms of week one, I would be shocked if Ed Donatal and Vic Fangio aren't loading that box with seven or eight guys and shutting down Derrick Henry and saying, listen, you want to beat us? Ryan Tannehill standing in our way between us and a win.
2: Okay, gang. We are, Zach, we're already at 59 minutes. Where does the time go? It flies, flies by. It flies. flies by, man. It's like uh, hitting up the local watering hole after work. After you punch out and you run into, you know, 50 of your high school buddies, the time just flies by. That's what it's like talking with you guys for for Zach and I and for us to have these conversations with it's you. Why we people. do it. We why love we it. do it, man, for sure. All right. Since we are getting low on time, I'm going to quickly get to this last point here. And it's nothing new, but another thing that jumped out to me, Zach, from the scrimmage was – That five-game sample size we got from Drew Locke served as one heck of a foundation and starting point for he and Cortland Sutton to build on in in this summer and this coming season. And, man, as off as Locke was at times and as off as his receivers were at times and as bad as the protection was on the right side at times, his connection with Sutton remained rock solid. I mean, he had a lot of completions, some nice passes – also a few really good good grabs from from Sutton in traffic and it's just looking like Sutton a lot of fans were worried when Jerry Judy got picked that Sutton was going to get kicked to the curb. He's in he's a natural phenomenon. This guy can't be denied. This guy is going to have an even bigger 20, a year in 2020 than he did 2019. Like I'm thinking 13 1400 yards mm-hmm. and 75 80 receptions. Like he's going to have a Love huge it. year.
3: Love it. Yeah. This is why uh, for all the questions we've been getting about, can Jerry Judy overtake Cortland Sutton? Can Jerry Judy make Sutton, you know, expendable in a couple of years? This is why it's not going to happen because while he could have a future chemistry with Drew Locke, while he could be that future number one guy. Corlin Sutton already is that number one guy. He already is established. He already is. Uh, he will be a pro bowler. He's a borderline all pro. I mean, a top 10 guy in the NFL. We saw it last year in that Chargers game with that long touchdown. Sutton just puts, pulls it down with one hand being draped in coverage. Locke puts it perfectly. It's, such, it's so good for the quarterback, a young quarterback's confidence, especially for a gunslinger like Drew Locke to have a receiver who makes it so easy out there. Throw it up, and more than likely, Sutton will either draw a penalty or come down with the catch. That is going to be one of the best storylines to keep an eye on this year. Not necessarily K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, <clears throat> Noah Fan, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. It's Locke lock to Cortland Sutton. And I'm right there with you, Chad. I've been saying 1,200 yards, but I can easily see 13, 1,400. I see very much a Megatron-type impact from Cortland Sutton going forward in the NFL.
2: Love it. The queen of MHH in all her glory, jumping in with a an extreme, uh, extremely generous super chat. Thank, Thank you, Christy. It. Much love to you, and thanks for being in the stream, as as always, and everything you do for this community and in this community. You mean a lot to us, and you know that. Yes. She says, just wanted to say hi. I can't stay long. You guys know you the best. No, Zach, she the best.
3: That's right she's the queen for a reason chad
2: thank you so much christy for your generosity always thank you so much also love the profile pic rocking the yes. huddle up pod hoodie love it all right this is a good opportunity for our giveaway you guys met zachary smouse who's jumping in here with a super chat by the way thank you zachary thank you, Zachary, appreciate your generosity love you, know the you don't shirt. have to do that he says just because and uh, this is a good opportunity, as we teased on Twitter. This is why you need to be following on Twitter, gang, at Huddle Up Pod. We are giving away a shirt, and we're going to give away one of Zachary's design shirts here, the uh, Zachary-designed Mile High Huddle, Let Them Hate shirt that incorporates rock and everything. And I could pull it up here, but we're running out of time. So John has used the old internet machine to randomly select a name from someone who's been in the chat with us tonight, has to be live in the stream with us. And that name for the giveaway, let me see here. Where'd it go? Hold on. Standby. Where did he put that? Hold on. I'm sorry, gang. It is – oh, here it is. Dennis Woods. Hmm. Dennis, you are the winner, my friend. Congrats. Very well deserved. Sorry for that delay there, gang. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being in the stream. And Dennis, of course, also Super Chat Superstar. Dennis, if you wouldn't mind, send us an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com, with your personal details, your shipping address, what your T-shirt size is. We'll get you one of these let them hate Mile High Huddle, let them hate shirts that Zachary Smouse designed, and uh, we'll get it out to you. Thank you, my friend. And Zachary, love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Good having you in the stream and as a member of the MHH family. All right, Zach, we got three more supers, and then we got to get out of here for tonight. We're running a little bit long, and we love running long, but we have to keep it close to that hour, as you guys know. Uh, Jeff C., jumping in, one of our superstars, consistent the day is long. Love you, buddy. He says, just driving by Raider Stadium right now with my middle finger (laughs) up. Hopefully the offense will start to click, click, click hashtag Denver Broncos for life, hashtag state of being. So he's representing like a lot of our listeners. The, Jeff would have been someone we would have had a chance to meet at the meet and greet we had planned and scheduled actually and booked in Vegas for the draft this year. But uh, a certain bug that has been a major pain in everyone's butt this year put a, a nix to that. But Jeff, appreciate you, my friend. Someday we'll get a chance to uh, square up and meet everybody. And maybe it'll be in uh, in Vegas. Maybe it'll be somewhere else, but we'll see. Uh, quick message here in Super Chat from BG, as we call Thank him. Thank you, Brian. Brian. Love you, bro. It's good to see you. He says, sorry, guys. Been out of work all week with a nasty hand infection. Mm, sorry to hear that. It looked like a lobster claw. Uh, I'll be back in the swing of things soon. Love the pod always. Well, I hope you're on some antibiotics or something. Yeah, to, hope you're uh, feeling better. That. Yeah, that's that's no fun. That's early. He says, thanks, Terry. He's responded to Terry. The antibiotics were the worst part. OMG, they made me sick as H-E double hockey sticks. Goodness gracious. Well, get feeling better, my friend, and I'm sure you'll turn it around quite quickly. And thanks for for jumping in on on Super Chat. Whoop! Go ahead, John. Chris Hernandez, jumping back in to remind everybody that we're about to get out of here. You know what to do. Hashtag click those little thumbs up. This is so crucial, especially on YouTube and especially on Facebook, guys. One little like, it goes a long way in helping us to communicate with the robots, the algorithms on those social media giants. So thanks for the reminder, Chris, and thank you for the super chat. You know, we love you, buddy. And uh, we do need to catch up because by the way, Chris, I did finish the recently published Bad Religion book and, you know, we've got some things we could talk about there. Um, Mundungus the wizard back in super chat, back to being generous. Appreciate you, Mike. He says, it's a two-parter. If Glasgow's injury nags him for a while, do you see Wilkinson going to guard? With set and new agent... Wait, with set and... What's that What's that second sentence, Zach? Interpret for me. With set and new agent and with new teams interested. I don't know. That's I'm actually kind of confused. That- Hold on, John. See if maybe somewhere lower in the... Oh, with Ryan's new agent... And teams interested, do you see Denver being interested? Because I hope not. We don't need him. Speaking to Logan, Ryan, is that because if he has a yeah, way I'm not aware. Um, thanks for the clarification, Mike. But, yeah, it, let's get to the first one. If Glasgow's injury nags him for a while, yeah, I mean, I could definitely, he's, I'll tell you this, Wilkinson makes a heck of a lot better right guard than Austin Schlottman does right now. And Schlottman's not bad, but, you know, he's like maybe an average NFL guard. Wilkinson can be a real boon to your running game as a guard. and it, as a pass blocker, his lack of foot speed and and athleticism doesn't hurt in the phone booth. It's as badly. I mean, it can still come back and bite you depending on who's rushing inside. like if he's going up against an Aaron Donald, he's he's gonna have some trouble <laughs> that day. Yeah. but I could uh, I could see it, however, you know, I don't think Glasgow's injury is going to be that bad Zach and then with Ryan, I don't see any I don't see the Broncos making any move to add any no. additional corners.
3: Now, in terms of Wilkinson, I is as, as much as I've been ragging on him, I'd much rather see him at guard because it's actually his natural position. So, at least they do have a fallback plan if uh, Glasgow his ankle keeps hurting, which I don't think it's going to be. I think he'll be fine. In terms of Logan Ryan, he just changed agents, so that tells me he either wants a lot of money or he has a deal imminent. It's not going to be with Denver. If they didn't sign Amukamara for a one-year contract for not that much money, they're not going to bring in Logan Ryan, who can play safety, can play corner. He would be a good addition to this defense, but the Broncos obviously don't want to you know, devote more resources to that secondary when they still haven't paid Justin Simmons. I would not look for Logan Ryan to come to Denver,
2: Chad. Agreed. Ariel, Ariel Guerin, Guerin, really appreciate that super chat, yeah. Ariel. And Zach, that's not a name we recognize on super chat. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. If you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out with Zach and I connect with us so that we can shout you out after this podcast. Ariel says, hi guys. I'm new to this. Jay and Ariel here. Oh, awesome. We got another couple deal. That's awesome. Cool. What do you think of Bradley Chubb's injury? Is it serious? So, you guys might've missed earlier in the show. We did get a chance to talk about this. And since we're running out of time, we got to keep this one brief. Thank you for the donation though. Fangio said it was a precaution. Didn't feel right to him. So he took himself out of the game, out of the scrimmage, Uh, got his knee wrapped with ice. After the game, Chubb said, it's all good. Everything's fine. They're just being cautious. They're just being smart at this stage. And so, you know, when you see that visually him leave the game and then the next thing, you know, he's walking around with a, with an ice pack, and considering he's coming off that ACL, everyone's going to be a little bit concerned, but the, the uh, blusterings coming out of the Valley. Anyway, Zach are, there's nothing to see here.
3: Yeah, It's not a concern and it's not serious overly Chad, but it's kind of a sobering reminder that Bradley Chubb is still very much in recovery. He's still very much tentative and sore and that knee is prone to swelling. So It's another reminder he's not going to be a 100% contributor right out of the gates. You might see a lot of Jerry Attachew, a lot of Malik Reed out there opposite Von Miller. They're going to work in Bradley Chubb slowly, and for any fan who didn't want that coming back from that injury, you have no choice now because you saw in a scrimmage, if he can't even get through that unscathed, what chance does he have in a regular season game where he's down in and down out going against linemen and opponents who don't care about his health, who don't care about his knee? The Broncos offensive linemen and players knew maybe take it a little easy. Don't go low on them. NFL teams aren't going to care about that. They're going to attack his weakness. So it's not a concern, but it's a reminder. Chubb is just not quite a hundred percent there just yet.
2: Gary in the house saying another good show, fellas. Thank you. I'm tired going to sleep. Physical therapy was awful today. I'm tired. Sorry to hear that. My friend, I don't know what, uh, trying to rack my brain if we're aware of something going on with old Gary here, but, Whatever's going on, my friend, you have our support and prayers up to you and hope you you get through it soon. And uh, Boggins says, I love watching the likes pile up live after someone mentioned them, LOL. <laughs> Very it's cool. awesome. Love all the, uh, the comments and whatnot. Much love to you, Lamont and everybody else. But, gang, that's got to do it for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up podcast presented by Mile High Huddle. We appreciate each and every one of you taking time out of your Sunday to spend an hour with Zach, myself and John. We love each and every one of you. And thanks for being with us. It's a mile high salute to our super chat superstars. And also Zach, we got to give a mile high salute to our Facebook supporters. Absolutely. Much love to you guys. And, uh, you know, we'll be back in the saddle to, uh, tomorrow night. It'll be Monday nights pod and it'll be fun to see what happens between now and then Broncos will be back in, in, uh, UC Health Training Center, they have practice Monday. So we'll see what comes out of that. But we got to get out of here for tonight. Make sure, gang, that you are following the podcast on Twitter. We are oh so close to crossing the 2,000 mark on Twitter for the podcast. So head on over there, follow the pod, especially if you're a super chat superstar. Make sure you're connected with us so we can tag you. And then also follow at Mile High Huddle, breaking Bronco's news and analysis as it happens in real time. Head on over to HuddleUpPod.com, get your swag on, Get a hat, get a T-shirt, get a beanie, get whatever. There's a little something for everybody over there. And then a reminder to Dennis Woods, make sure you reach out, Huddle at Gmail, provide us your shipping address, and we'll get you a shirt coming your way designed by the one and only Zachary Smouse. Zach, have a great start to your week, my friend. It was great getting uh, getting the chance to catch up with you and actually analyze what happened yesterday at the stadium. So have a great start, bro.
3: You too. Nice to talk. Football, legitimate football, or mostly legitimate football. But Chad, realize when we go to pod tomorrow night, we'll be exactly two weeks away from week one. Broncos, regular season football in 2020. It's felt like 20 years getting to this
2: point, but we're almost there. Two more weeks, week one. I'm so excited, Chad. Amen. Can't wait. We'll get out of here for tonight, though, guys. Have a great finish to your weekend and a great start to your week. For Zach Kelberman and for John, I'm Chad Jensen. We will see you Monday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. got
4: to come up. One, I have some concerns if I was running the team about the tackle spot. I, I, I'm curious with, you know, Jawan James opting out, where they stand at the tackle spot. And then also the corner depth is a concern with some people around the league. But one another name on that side is A.J. Boye.
0: You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.